Welcome to the Making Space podcast. This podcast comes out of a longstanding partnership between the Aspen Group and Barna. Our two organizations came together to discover the impact physical space has on the way people are shaped as they experience Jesus, engage with church, and interact with others in community. To learn more, go to aspengroup.com forward slash making space podcast. And now for today's episode. Hey everybody, welcome to the Making Space podcast. Um, This is a conversation about physical space and specifically about how physical space uh, influences us, um, informs us in a variety of ways, Uh, obviously physically, but um, our emotions, our thoughts, our spiritual lives. And we're talking about physical space in the church, and we're talking about physical space outside of the church. And I am one of your hosts, Jay Kim, and I'm here with my dear friend and co-host and uh, really, truly a renaissance man on an international level, my good friend, Benjamin Wendell. Benjamin, it's so fun to be on this journey with you. You are uh, coming out of a really fascinating season where you've been a pastor for many years, uh, having led a church and now giving your energies to pouring into other church leaders uh, to be more effective for the kingdom. So tell us a bit about your story and, uh, and what you're working on. Well, firstly, uh, Jay, I think I need to change my bio to Renaissance Man. It's a great That's introduction. Right. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and uh, man, I'm so excited for this journey together. I think our listeners are going to be so blessed by the variety of conversations and guests and research and so forth that, that uh, we're going to be discussing. Uh, for myself personally, I've had a long history with church buildings. I've been a pastor for 20 years and recently transitioned out of a senior pastor role to do more of the kind of thing that we're doing right now. So I've spent years, you know, raising money, having faith for facilities, extensions. And so they hold a special place for me. And people say church is not a building. It's people. And obviously that's true. Church is people. Church is a community. It's human. It's not bricks and mortar. But to say church is people, not a building, should not be in any way then to just eliminate the importance of physical space. Because again, for me, over my two decades of pastoral ministry, I can say that just like families, our our houses matter. Buildings matter. Our physical environments are not just functional. They play an essential role in our ideas of community and this thing we call ecclesia and worship and more. So it's a subject I'm personally passionate about. I know for yourself, Jay, uh, an author, a pastor, and recently you've gone through your own transition into a senior pastor role after many years of ministry. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you and I are on uh, opposite ends of that spectrum. You know, you're transitioning out and I'm sort of transitioning in. Very similarly, yeah, I've been in local church ministry for 20 years. Very recently, this past year, stepped into a lead pastor role 
uh, at a, a, a multi-congregational church in the heart of Silicon Valley. And it's interesting being a multi-congregational church. We have um, two different locations, two different buildings in two different parts of town, serving and trying to share the love of Jesus with two very different sort of demographics. And I, I've come to learn very much along the lines of what you're saying, Benjamin, that you know, embodied people live embodied lives. That's just an undeniable reality of human experience. And what that means is embodied people living embodied lives inhabit real physical space. I mean, it's like the most bare essence of of just being alive, you know, being human. And I think this conversation and all of the work that Barna, along with Aspen Group, have done, all of the data and the research, one, for me as a pastor and as a church leader, and really just as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, it's already been so um, helpful in terms of uh, creating a paradigm for thinking about how impactful physical spaces um, truly are. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm so very much looking forward to learning from the conversations, learning from you as we continue, uh, down this journey together. And there's so much here. Obviously, this podcast is a part of it, but, um, there's so much more. So uh, before we get into today's conversation, Benjamin, tell us a little bit about, um, some of the other resources that are available for folks. Yeah. Well, uh, in this podcast, the Making Space podcast, uh, this comes out of some great research that the Aspen Group has done with the Barna Group around physical spaces, why they matter, how they play into our spiritual formation. And this first season in particular, we are doing a deep dive into this idea of making space for welcome. So what it means to create spaces where people feel a sense of peace and calm and comfort and safety, both physically and emotionally. I think both of those things are very important, similar to how your home or a familiar place may feel. And so we've got some great resources. And I mean, Jay, we've also got the Aspen Journal, which you can tell us about. Yeah. Yeah, along with this podcast, um, there are going to be a series of journals, but the first journal, journal number one, Making Space for Inspiration, is available uh, to you. So again, this podcast is a smaller part of a larger project. Um, if you want to learn more and deep dive into some of the, the ideas we're going to explore on this podcast, uh, I would encourage you to check out the journal. You can go to barna.com forward slash making space. Um, if you're a Barna Access Plus subscriber, then you'll get immediate access. So you can find all that um, on the website. And uh, we think it's going to be a huge help to you as you journey along. Yeah. A couple of great guests to start us off uh, today, Jay. Uh, firstly, we have Ashley Ekmay, who serves on the Barna Research Team as a research specialist. And Elena Forsyth, who is on the Aspen team as the integrated services specialist and has been involved, I mean, deeply in the work of this project. So welcome to both of you. We are so glad that you're, you're with us. Uh, firstly, Elena, tell us a bit about what your teams have been up to with this exciting project um, you know, some of your background context, why this space, why uh, this topic and, and why now? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, about 
probably eight or 10 years ago now, Aspen. So we are an architecture firm, actually. We design and build churches. This is our day-to-day work. Um, and uh, 10, uh, 10 or so years ago, we did a project with Barna Group called Making Space for Millennials. And that was kind of, um, that was really new for both us and for Barna. We had never commissioned a research project before, and Barna hadn't released the research in the form of these editorial monographs. Um, so we both got to do something really new and fun. And we were specifically looking at, um, how millennials as, uh, you know, as a rising generation. Now this is 10 years ago. This is when the millennials were still young. Now they're all old. So <laughs> this is when the millennials were still young. And we were like, how do we get and keep the millennials in church? So, um, that was just a really great project that we did together. Um, we had a lot of fun with it and it was, um, it was kind of a turning point for us as an organization. And I think for Barna as well. And so we've kind of been wanting to, I especially, I've been at Aspen for seven years now. So I've, um, I, it was a few years after we'd released Making Space for Millennials. It was kind of, you know, uh, coming down off the big high. Um, and I read the study and I was just so excited about the potential for that. Um, and, um, uh, so I've been wanting to do this for such a long time and, uh, it feels like, um, it's taken a while. It's certainly taken longer than I wanted for us to do another one, but it has really hit hard because um, I think between between COVID and a lot of churches being kicked out of their spaces um, and the rise of social media in the last eight years or so um, and and its impact on public discourse and our relationships and all of that has really shown that our physical spaces matter a lot. And, um, you know, the church, we were kind of wondering at the beginning of COVID, is this the end of church spaces? And it proved to be kind of the opposite because we all kind of got sick of being online all the time. People wanted to be outside. They wanted to be with other people. Yes, it took a kind of a new, uh, it looked a different way than it used to. Um, but, but it was something that people were deeply wanting. And so, um, the question for us really, and then it, it kind of put that in, um, juxtapose that against a lot of the research that Barna has done about the needs of the church in the last few years and a big gap in discipleship. Like we've been, we've become really good at bringing people in, but we also saw a big exodus out of the church with COVID and, um, so it was like, okay, we're good at getting people, but once it's no longer routine, they don't really, not certainly there are plenty of people who do stick with it, but there were plenty who didn't. Um, so like, what's the difference between getting and keeping people between, you know, people who just come and people who are deeply formed in the church? And I deeply believe that, um, that our physical spaces, that our material world has a huge impact on that. Um, and when we just see ourselves as, you know, I think one of the, one of the phrases that came up when we did this with, um, with Church Pulse Weekly was, uh, we're not brains on sticks. So we're more than just our intellect. Um, and just teaching us, uh, truths about the gospel or even truths, you know, truth, the truth of the gospel. Um, there, we have to do things in our bodies, in our lives to help that stick and form us. So that's um, 
it's kind of a long story about how we how we got into this in the first place, but it's been really fun. Um, and working with the Barna team has probably been uh, as much fun, if not more fun, than the research itself. Yeah. I love that. I love the expansiveness of it and um, the sort of broad sweeping, you know, you said it's like eight to 10 years ago when millennials were young, millennials drive minivans now. <laughs> my wife, my wife mourns that she's categorically a geriatric millennial. That's technically what she is, which is like so offensive to her. You know, I think I'm like a young Gen X. So I'll take that over geriatric <laughs> millennial. But what I love about the conversations that we're going to have on this podcast and the ideas we're exploring is that it's, it spans generations because like you said, it's about how our spaces, uh, no matter who you are, where you come from, what age or whatever form us. And there's so much data. This is something I love about this project and about Barna in general. Um, Ashley, tell, tell us, you know, there is so much good information and data that's going to, um, that, that so many church leaders and, and folks who listen are going to be exposed to. Um, just tell us about what went into the research, you know, tell, tell us about, uh, the, the process and the journey for you. Well, so first of all, hi, Ben and Jay, really excited. Um, there went, so much went into this. Um, you guys would not believe the conversations just within Barna, um, you know, we have a fairly small research team. Um, and so we depend a lot interdepartmentally on, you know, collaboration and talking amongst ourselves, amongst Barna, you know, as a whole, just trying to get a feel for like, what's the best kind of question. Um, two thirds of our research team have actually come from academia. And so, um, measuring things that are novel is very, you know, we come from a publisher parish kind of uh, milieu. And so trying to find things that are novel, things that people haven't really thought about before um, was just such an exciting opportunity uh, with this Aspen project with making space for millennials and then this, you know, making space for formation. Um, and so we were just so excited to, to do this. Um, so what, when I say, well, when, in, when I say this was a labor of love, I absolutely mean it. There was so much collaboration, so much, um, you know, people thinking about things, workshops where we started to realize the spaces around us form us that we didn't even know. Um, not just churches, but like restaurants, McDonald's, retail spaces, like all these things that just, it was life giving and life changing. Um, as far as methodologies go, so what we did was we did mixed methods with this. We did a quantitative survey of 2,000 U.S. adults in the United States. Um, we That was a, as broad a cross-section as we could get um, and representative of the U.S. population and then weighted to be as representative as possible across um, things like ethnicity, where they're located, um, gender, um, income, pretty much any demographic you can think of. We made sure that this group of people was as representative as we could um, have them be. And then we had a qualitative uh, component to this study where we went into several cities and we got groups of churchgoers and non-churchgoers and we would take them into church spaces uh, and interview them over the course of anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes, asking them what they felt about those spaces, um, how they felt those spaces were forming them, if they felt those spaces were forming them. Um, the cities that we went into were Atlanta, Chicago, and Durham. Um, in Chicago and Durham, we just did groups of churched and unchurched people. But in Atlanta, we had the privilege of being able to take three pastors 
uh, from three separate churches, and we were able to have them all as one group go into each of their three respective churches. Um, each pastor had the opportunity to tell us about the history of their church, tell us what went into, um, what values they wanted their space to communicate, um, what intentionality had gone behind their architecture or their decoration or any of the other things that they put into how they were, um, how their space was communicating to visitors. Um, and we, we took them into each of the respective spaces. Each pastor got to hear what other pastors said about their own spaces. Um, and we tried to pick as broad a variety as we could. So we had a very, very old, uh, very established UMC cathedral. Um, we had a church that was newer, um, uh, about 700 members, very, very modern, met in a space that was multi-purpose, like a coffee shop. And then we had a church space that met in essentially a warehouse. They had a farm on site. Um, this was a very multi-purpose space that they used to bring in people from the community who could, who could act in community with each other in a very like communal um, space that they could all take ownership of. And these three pastors were coming from such different perspectives, such different backgrounds, um, but they were able to, to talk and collaborate and see how those spaces were forming their own congregants, what intention they had behind that, um, and ways that maybe they could learn from these other pastors, uh, ways to better their own space or different things to take into consideration that maybe they hadn't before. Um, and we just, across the quantitative survey of 2,000 people and across our qualitative methods, we found so much good in, insights. I mean, just from the first couple of hours of being with the first couple of qualitative focus groups, we got some incredible insights that no one at Barna and no one at Aspen had even thought of before. I mean, just we would spend hours after each group talking about the things that we just had blown our minds, things we'd never considered. Um, and so I'm really excited to keep exploring this data with you guys. I'm really excited to keep talking about it. And I hope that after hearing this, people are, are really, really motivated to uh, look into these journals and just look into things that we found that surprised us all across the board. Yeah, so this is really, I mean, the tip of the iceberg in terms of these conversations with the data and the research that has been done over some period of time. Um, Elena, we're going to find some of this in journal number one. What is the context of journal number one? In journal number one, we are talking about uh, making space for inspiration. So that means um, in this context, we we start to kind of dip our toes into this concept of transcendence. Now, we are definitely not the first people to talk about this. In fact, I remember first thinking deeply about transcendence when I was, when I was reading Jay's book, Analog Church. And um, that just really, it it stood out to me that uh, and then later reading others like philosopher Charles Taylor um, and similar um, similar thinkers like that who are processing what it means to be Christians in this post-Christian world. Um, and but this concept of of the transcendence versus the mundane um, and how churches have um, you know in the for the sake of uh, of relevance. They've chosen to uh, often create pretty mundane spaces. What's the impact of that? Um, you know, it, we we no longer ha- are building cathedrals. Most churches don't have money to build cathedrals, and that's fine. Um, but what are we building, and what's what are the consequences of that? Um, why? What is sacred space anymore? Um, and and do we need it? Another 
topic within this. Um, so this is talking about a, a welcome and your, your, your first experiences of coming to a church. You know, people are looking for, um, a place of comfort and safety as they're beginning a spiritual journey. Um, people don't want to be challenged right off the bat. <laughs> you know, a lot of people come in and they're feeling really vulnerable. And so what does a, what does a comfortable or safe space look like? You know, um, it, it, often shows up as a sense of peace. Uh, but one of the things that Ashley mentioned that like surprised us was this sense of smallness that comes with peace and how people feel, they feel peace when they feel small in a space, which it was a little surprising to me. So we talked a little bit about that. Um, but some of the other things are, you know, a sense of home, how Christians bring their emotions to church. How do they feel in church do they want to go to church if they're anxious or depressed? Uh, where do we bring our challenges? Where do we go to process those things? If the church wants to be um, a place where people can come as they are, is that actually a place where people want to come when they're when they're dealing with difficult things? And then um, finally, we, we talked a little bit about a space that is personal without necessarily being personalized. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, that we, that showed up when we were doing making space for millennials was this concept of modularity. So it was kind of like build your own adventure kind of, uh, kind of a concept. But the flip side of that is that it's really overwhelming when you are the one making all the decisions. So something that's completely personalized can also, and that can also cut us off from other people. So if my experience is completely personalized for me, it's very likely, you know, just like with social media, if my newsfeed is just curated to suit all of my interests, then there are probably some aspects of reality that I'm not actually hitting. So, um, but we all still deeply want something that's personal, um, that, that, that responds to who we are as people. So those are some of those, some of the concepts that we hit transcendence, comfort, a sense of home, how we bring our emotions into a space. And then what does it mean for space to be personal? Yeah. Yeah. You're hinting at so much good stuff that, um, that people are going to be able to access. Um, Ashley, tell, tell us, I mean, there was so much here, so much from this project. Tell us some of the top things that we learned. Elena already hit on several fascinating things, but for you, what were some of the top findings uh, from this project so far? So one of the things we found, and this just echoing what Elena said, when it comes to spaces people consider transcendent, they want comfort, they want welcome, they want a space where they are, they feel that they're safe to be vulnerable. Um, and so something that we found first and foremost, uh, when it comes to visiting spaces that are transcendent, not a lot of adults in the U.S. say that they regularly visit a space that they do consider transcendent. Um, only about three in 10 say that they regularly do. Um, among Christians, some of the top places they consider to be transcendent are, unsurprisingly, uh, religious spaces. So Christian churches, about 80% of Christians said that. Um, cathedrals, 66% of Christians said that. Um, but amid Christians and non-Christians, a variety of spaces that people consider transcendent were everyday places. Mm. Uh, things like nature, uh, spaces in their own home, or homes in general. So people... There's a sense of, you know, for, for Christians and non-Christians alike, one thing that they agree on um, is that spaces that they're, that have a familiarity for them, spaces that have a sense of warmth and domesticity, um, spaces that provide comfort. Um, we also asked uh, 
adults what makes what makes a space transcendent. And most of the top responses were things like a sense of peace or calm. Um, about one in three said an awareness of a greater power, and 30% said a sense of belonging. So this sense of belonging, this comfort, this welcome are things that just really came up time and time again among Christians and non-Christians alike. And that was just something we found really, really, really interesting. Um Unsurprising, of course, but but just something that you know pastors can absolutely take into account when they're thinking about things like this. Um, is your space communicating welcome? Is your space yeah. communicating warmth, um, an invitation to visitors? Um, yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's some of the things we found at that end. Yeah, I think that's so fascinating. When we think about just even you know my church, a large church, many churches that Benjamin has worked with, uh, the juxtaposition between warmth. And cool, like cool temperature wise, but cool, cool, like cool, <laughs> hip, big, the show. Not that there's anything inherently wrong with that, but as church leaders think about how we curate and cultivate the spaces that we're inviting people into to think maybe more about warmth and what that looks like. Yeah, I think that's fascinating. Um, any other findings, maybe like uh, maybe another one finding that to you, Ashley, maybe really stood out as uh, surprising or, or interesting or thought-provoking? One of the things we found across nearly every demographic, and this is something, you know, when we come into uh, projects like this, we'll have a hypothesis. We'll be like, okay, most millennials might feel this way. Most Gen Z might feel this way. Or something like most females or most males or people of this socioeconomic status. Um, something that we found that was just astonishingly uh stable across every demographic uh, was that people consider nature to be a transcendent space. Um, now, to, to be totally clear here, in our survey, when we said spaces in nature, we specified things like mountains or bodies of water. Um, so there was a little bit of guidance on them on like what, what we're thinking of when we say nature. Um, but just across the board, everyone agreed that uh, regardless of age, regardless of background, regardless of anything, that spaces in nature give to them a sense of a connectedness to a higher power. Um, something that I actually forgot, we did have a definition. So, you know, when we're doing things like um, uh, quantitative surveys, when we're asking people questions, you know, um, in sociological data, uh, we want to try and use language that is as intelligible as possible to as many people as possible. And so a word like transcendence can be a little confusing. Um, and so on the survey, we did actually specify that uh, when we're talking about a transcendent space, uh, we're talking about a physical place that brings you closer to experiencing connection with something beyond the physical world. And so I thought it was incredibly interesting uh, that the majority of people said that the physical world, nature, the most physical part of the world that we have is the thing that brings them most close to a space outside of the physical world. Um, I just thought that was absolutely incredible. Um, in our survey, we also had uh, a series of photos that we would show them. So they, they um, we would ask the question, like, if you're depressed or you're lonely or you're feeling social, um, where is the space that you would go to? Um, and time after time, they picked spaces that embodied nature. They picked spaces that had that warmth, um, physical, the physical world, um, natural space, spaces that were green, um, and that just time and time again, they just, it was consistent. There was a consensus across everyone that nature just calls to people in a way 
that transcends um, all these other things that we might be doing to try and draw people in. It's just, there's just something about the authenticity of it that reaches people in a way that, um, that uh, built space maybe, maybe can't do. One other thing that I loved about this um, is that when you ask non-Christians about spaces that they consider transcendent, Yes, nature was number one, but the next three after that were historic sites, memorials, and cemeteries. And so it struck me that, um, yes, nature was huge, but also a sense of connectedness to history. And when you think of so many of the churches that we're building these days, there's no sense of history. You know, maybe it used to be a warehouse, but that's about as close as you get to it. But there's something about um, something that's old, something that that lasted beyond someone's physical lifetime um, that that um, helps people to connect to something beyond themselves. So it was those kinds of things that were really fun to think of. Are we doing this well? Are we actually making space as well? You know, we spend so much time building like these black box theaters where people have no visibility to nature and the outdoors. And, you know, they're in these old warehouse or, you know, or a, a, a very contemporary space that feels like it was built for this moment in time, but certainly nothing that's going to last a hundred years. Um, so are we building spaces that connect people to space and time, to nature and to history? Um, or, or are we doing this all wrong? Now, I'm not trying to make to suggest that pastors are doing it all wrong. Obviously, we're all trying to figure out a lot of things these days. But I think that, um, and, and a lot of the guests that you two will be talking to over the next a uh, few episodes are going to give a lot of practical advice for for how this can be applied to our church spaces, whether you have a lot of money or not. Um, but yeah, I think it was just very insightful um, considering where we are in this point in church history and um, and in culture today. What do, what do people really need in order to uh, to pull them out of their day to day lives and help them to think about um, about their their place in the universe if that provokes some anxiety for them if and maybe that anxiety leads them to consider that there's something more than just themselves um, or or if it's a sense of peace that they desperately need um, and maybe churches can start creating spaces that provide that yeah and that's so fascinating so much. Uh, obviously, work went into this. So much fascinating data. You guys are just scratching the surface of this. So that's why it's so exciting that we're going to be um, exploring this for an entire season. Uh, Ashley, Elena, thank you both so much. One, for just all of your hard work putting this together. And two, for the fantastic conversation It has conversation been such today. a pleasure. And I can't wait, to, can't wait for everything else that you guys will be doing. So thank you both as well for your investment in this and for your excitement about this project. It's been a real, uh, it's been really rewarding for you to be as excited as you are about this too. Oh man, Benjamin. I, yeah. Like Elena just said, I, seriously, I'm so excited about um, all the conversations we're going to have uh, all of the, all of the data that we're going to dive into, but it's more than just data. It's data that hopefully will help, you know, as, as we as church leaders think about the spaces that we're creating for our people. Yeah. I think it absolutely will help. And it's one of the great things about this, uh, season ahead is this marriage between you can clearly see the data, the research, and then we've got a whole lot of 
you know, a variety of guests from different backgrounds, but it's going to have a practical expression to it. We're going to hear from pastors and authors and thought leaders from diverse backgrounds. And so if you're a pastor and a leader, all of us, a part of our expression involves facilities and buildings. I think this season is going to help in some really practical ways. Yeah, we're going to be talking to people like Tish Harrison-Warren, Daniel Grothy at New Life, AJ Swoboda up in the Pacific Northwest. Um, Maybe some folks who church leaders may not be familiar with, but their work is having tremendous impact. Jonathan Schaefer, who's done a ton of work with Nike and now Meta. You know, Liz Laird, who's actually specifically at that intersection of cities and churches. So, so many great conversations about nature, how to be rooted in a place, specific dialogue about historic buildings and transcendence. And like you said, Benjamin, about, you know, how do you make changes on a budget? Or if you have no budget, you know, how do you incorporate um, your church community? Uh, It's going to be both practical and inspiring and informative. And really, for me, I hope it'll be really formative um, for churches and church leaders. Well, we are excited to have you, our listeners, join us as we continue these conversations this season. So if you want to get more right now on the data that we're sharing, make sure you check out the journal. It's now available at Barner Access or at barner.com forward slash making space. Um, These episodes will be coming out every week. So make sure you subscribe to this podcast. We don't want you to miss a single episode. And please help us get the word out, share it with a friend who you think would be interested. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening, for joining us on this journey. We're really excited about it. And uh, we'll talk to all of you really soon.